Dude, oh my god, I just listened to the intro. <laughs> I just listened to the intro for last week in half speed, and oh my god, it is hilarious. Uh, maybe I'll play it this week for the intro. Okay, it's half speed, so it's gonna take twice as long, but trust me, dude. <laughs> sounds like <laughs> oh boy of course it's uh not episode 82 and uh, anymore but man that i i don't know what prompted me to do that but i i always listen to stuff in in like one and a half times because uh try try to get through it better the uh <clears throat> you know the sound quality doesn't make your voice higher or faster it just like speeds it up or slows it down so you don't lose pitch or gain pitch but you sure do sound <laughs> Sound like you're stoned out of your mind. Oh man, whatever they do with cocaine. <laughs> I never realized how funny my intro was before. So thank you for all the people that have come on and been guests on the show. <laughs> 
right, all right, all right, all right. I've calmed down a little bit from making myself laugh, but dude, that just struck me. It was one of those moments. Maybe I haven't eaten enough carbs today. Who knows? But uh, yeah, let's get this show started. Why don't we? All right, party people. Hey, here's what I hope you can't hear. I can hear it a little bit, so I hope you don't hear it. The fan. Why? Oh my God, it's been super duper hot. We're going to be talking about that for one second. Let's also uh, recap tonight's show. We got the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. This was the final week. I just listened to the results show, so we have that coming up for you. Also, our little podcast roundup that we do, uh, WIRR's Top 10 News, in case you don't pay attention to our uh, our Instagram feed. We'll tell you a little about that. Some flat track news and some special, special, close to my heart, flat track interview. All right. All right, all right. Well, that was a piece by yours truly called Coco Jam. I forget why I called it Coco Jam. Throwing in some of my own music here on the show. Let's uh, let's get the show started off this week with, let me tell you how hot it is in here. Oh, my God. I, I mentioned I had the fan on. I quit pointing it directly at myself just in case. I didn't want the microphone to pick it up. And uh, the air conditioner is, like, super loud. So I am not going to turn that thing on. Because I don't want you to think I'm a recording on a city bus. However, dude, it has been quite hot. This whole last week, um, there was a, a heat index, like a heat, uh, high heat advisory for most of Los Angeles County, San Bernardino County, like the whole Inland Empire, um, and out in the deserts, like out in the, you know, part of the Mojave is here in California. Um, dude, it was like 120 or something out there. You know what I mean? And it got up to like 108 out in San Bernardino County, Riverside County, stuff like that. It was like 110, you know, 115, whatever it was out there. It got quite freaking warm. I mentioned on the last show, I believe that there was like a tropical wind or upper atmospheric, uh, like trade wind coming from Mexico too, which brought a lot of moisture. So it was muggy. It was like hotter than Godzilla's ball sack uh, the last week. And uh, one of the hosts from Loud Pipes, Rich Warfield, he was out in San Diego for business. Uh, I happened to ride down myself, rack up a couple miles and whatnot. But anyways, yeah, he even noted how hot it was, especially traveling. It was as soon as he got away from the coast, he was just like boiling. And yeah, man, it was, I was drinking tons of water. I think I mentioned on last week's uh, podcast roundup, or maybe the one before that, that uh, when I mentioned the high heat advisory, I mentioned that Throttled Podcast had talked about it on their show about covering up, getting, you know, not wearing mesh. And, and it's totally ironic, you know, not to wear mesh uh, when it's hot. But what it, what it does is that, yeah, like you're sweating and your body needs that to cool off. And then the air blows across that. And that's how your body cools itself naturally, right? But once you're doing that at 60 miles an hour for an hour, you're, you've blown all your cooling off at that point, and then you're basically out there in a hairdryer, which is like riding through heat in a mesh jacket. You're, you're just literally dehydrating yourself because any little bit of moisture that comes out onto your skin or whatever just blows right out of you. And of course, the mesh is cool while you're riding, 
But then once all the moisture is gone like that, you start, you not only are you dehydrated, but then you have that hot air blowing on you and you start to overheat. So there's, there's cool gears. There's wicking gears that like wicks your sweat away from you and then holds it there as a layer of dampness. You can cover up with full leathers. I used to ride before I got my mesh jacket. I rode in a full leather all the time. Honestly, I was a lot cooler than you might expect because you could touch the outside of the leather and, of course, it would be like burning hot, like 120 degrees. But inside, it, I mean, the leather was so thick and then whatever padding and, and armor and stuff they put on the inside of that, it kind of insulated me. So inside was only like 90 degrees I mean, body temperature, you know what I mean? And then when I'd start to ride, I'd open the vents a little bit um, or whatnot, but or the breeze going up your sleeves, whatever it was, kept me cool. Or maybe the fact that the sweat was there and when the wind blew through, it didn't like totally blow it out like it does on mesh. Like the air wasn't just passing through it and taking it out the other side. Cool air was coming in and hitting that sweat and cooling it down. And it was actually really cool inside my leather jacket. So I thought about wearing that. Uh, but I didn't, I went with the mesh and I just hauled balls down to San Diego, picking up a couple cities on the way. And yeah, man, it was, uh, it, I guarantee it was warm, man. It was, it was crazy warm. And, uh, the fact that a guy from the East coast, you know, it gets, it's humid on the East coast because, uh, you know, we have like the wind blows usually across the country from West to East. So we here on the West coast always have that cool sea breeze coming in and, you know they all they don't have obviously anything blowing from the from the west from them it's all just blowing the hot air <laughs> circulating it around so if you know if you live on the east coast you know what i'm saying or in the midwest like where i uh was born um it gets muggy as all get out and it feels hot even when it's like not that uh like you can't hide in the shade and get away from the sun it's just the air is hot so it was truly truly hot hot this weekend and i heard that phoenix airport shut down actually because it was too hot like maybe the tires were blowing up on the planes or like you know when when you overheat air and it expands your tires can pop and i uh, experienced that a, a few years ago when i lived in san diego um lots of popping on the freeway and it was tires blowing out people probably riding on underinflated tires to begin with and getting them heated up and then stopping in, in, in bumper-to-bumper traffic. And all of a sudden, those expanded tires are like, you know, have like, I don't know, 80 pounds of uh, pressure when they're only supposed to have like 30 or 40, and bam, they would pop. So all sorts of crazy stuff can happen to you and your bike when the tire, when or not the tire, when the, when the heat goes up, like from stuff like that, blowing out tires to shit passing out. You know what I mean? So it's still warm. It's 86 in the studio right now. And the other day it was like 97 in here. And I finally clicked on the air. I was like, dude, I can't, I can't. Uh, it's almost a hundred degrees just sitting here at the workstation. So yeah, if you're out there and it's hot still, uh, please just hydrate like crazy. I've been drinking so, so, so much water and, uh, it just been going right out of me and I, it's not that I've been peeing it out. I just been sweating it out. So, I mean, it's, it's that bad. So yeah, this weekend, long, long hours in the seat, um, trying to make up points for the motorcycle podcasters challenge. So, uh, let's talk about that next. All right. All right, everybody. Listen, it's time. Time to uncover the results of the 
world famous motorcycle podcasters challenge. Now I've been talking about this for the last couple weeks and I uh, watched the uh, unveiling tonight on the their RW Studios YouTube channel. You might be able to go there yourself and see these final results. But I'm ready to talk about who won. All right, so uh, quick, quick recap here. Uh, week one. Uh, here's the here's the podcast that were involved. First of all, got a shout out to those guys, uh, Loud Pipes, the Motorcycle Men. Uh, creative writing mo- uh, podcast, Wheel Nerds, Wingman's Garage, and Cleveland Moto. There was six of them on the roster. Uh, we're going to kick Wingman's and Cleveland out because they didn't even uh, put z- they put zero miles. So we'll kind of count them as like DNS did not start. And so really, it was a matchup between four podcasts. So how did we pan out? Well, let's talk about that. And then we'll go into the individual rider scores. So uh, I don't know if I should go back to week one. Let's just go back to week one. Week one, I was on vacation. I hit one letter. It was Y-I-T-S-W-E. And I hit the S. Uh, I went to lovely Sierra Madre, which is uh, right next door. Got 104 points for the week because of the help of my riders, uh, Chris Singsheim and Paul Smith, a.k.a. Bri Biffer. Dude, you guys rocked it for Team Creative Writing. Thank you so much. Uh, I just learned today kind of how the points worked out. I was a little bit unsure. Uh, if you had a team writer with you, say like I had a co-host on here or something, and I could get three, you know, there were six letters drawn each week, I could get three, the, the other writer could get three. Well, I kind of thought that when you had a listener participating for you, if like I missed one, I would kind of get a freebie, like if if I miss J or Z or something crazy, I would get a freebie because they would uh, basically pick up that for me, and and it would just be like getting a free letter, basically. All right, so I was a little bit wrong about that. What the circumstances were was, you get points for every letter that you get, and then whichever one of your writers, or if you only have one writer uh, helping you out as a listener, their points also get added to that score. So if I got a really killer uh, S, and then one of Chris or Paul got a really killer S, they took the highest, whichever one of them, and added it to my score. So if I didn't get all six letters, then I kind of got hosed because I didn't get their points added on. So that's how it works. So coming in week one, I had 104. Wheel Nerds had 205. Motorcycle Man had 400. And Loud Pipes had 460. Great first week. 400 and 460, pretty high scores. Week two, Creative Writing's back from his vacation, but... Wheel Nerds Chuck is on vacation, and Chuck put in over 1,800 miles in that second week, and I think he actually took the overall—I don't think he got points for it, um, but he did get recognized for putting in probably the most amount of miles, which is over like 1,800 miles, uh, especially just in that one week. So week two, Motorcycle uh, Wheel Nerds with 513 points, Creative Riding with 254 points. Uh, motorcycle men with 666 points and loud pipes with 640. So for week two, motorcycle men, then loud pipes, then wheel nerds, and still in a distant fourth creative writing. For week three, this is the final week. This is this week's points added up and tallied tonight in their, I'm going to call it an awards ceremony. Uh, loud pipes coming in with 488 points. Motorcycle men dropping down to their lowest of 367 points. Wheel nerds bumping up to their highest of 627 points. 
And creative writing coming in with 1,063 points. Oh, my God. I scored the highest, like, of anybody of all weeks in this last week. And, boy, is my ass feeling it. Now, granted, there was a flash challenge that happened last Friday. The flash challenge for me, since I was in dead last, was worth 550 points. And then for Wheel Nerds, since they were in third place, it was worth like 275 or something. You know, it's basically worth half of what mine was worth. Uh, And so without that flash challenge, I would probably still be in dead last. But um, 1,063 points, not bad. I did a ton of makeup letters this week and I did a ton of writing. I rode, you know, circuitously down to San Diego and then back up, kind of taking the scenic route, you know, if you know what I'm saying. So I packed on 805 miles in total. Probably most of those were this, uh, last, uh, weekend or the last week. So, uh, how did we score? How did we end up? Here are the final, final results. First place, that's my cheesy drum roll. The podcast that had the most points and coming in in number one spot will have their names engraved on the Motorcycle Podcaster Challenge trophy, Loud Pipes, with 1,588 points. Good job, fellas, and uh, great riding. John put on a ton of miles. Of course, Rich was down in San Diego this last week, but they were just, they were packing on the miles to begin with. And they found some really crazy crazy uh city names like kings and queens courthouse and like i don't know a bunch of crap they found a bunch of crap you know you can't say bullshit because it's right there on the side of the building you know blah 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 city hall or whatever uh coming in second place with 1433 points uh, you know over 500 off the lead is motorcycle men good job fellas uh really good job Week two was your big week, uh, Motorcycle Man putting it in, and they had one rider riding for them who was really just smoking miles left and right, and then one of the other riders changed, yeah, they changed teams from Loud Pipes to Motorcycle Men uh, for the last week, which, you know, they had the option to do that. If they wanted to ride for a particular team one week and one another week, they could do that. So one of the riders who had been riding for Loud Pipes for two weeks changed this last week to Motorcycle Men, I believe. And so, yeah, Motorcycle Man, 1,433 points. Coming in a very, very close third with 1,421 points. So just 12 points off of a tie, 13 points off of the lead, or off of a second place, is um, Creative Writing. Yes, I came in third, and I missed second by stinking 13 points. I should have gone out today and made up Europa Valley, because even though I would have only got half points for it being a makeup word, Europa Valley scores high enough to be worth more than 13, you know, 26 points. So cut that in half. I totally would have came in second, plus I would have got Paul's points that he got for Europa Valley. It's only like 40 miles away i mean it would have been an 80 mile round trip i would have got 80 more miles on my score plus i would have got the points for the city name plus i would have came from like dead last at 104 points when everybody else was scoring like you know 400s and 600s to taking second place i was so damn close but hey that's you know in racing you know it only takes uh 
thousandth of a second. And in Motorcycle Podcasters Challenges, it only takes 13 points. Uh, so coming in third, I actually did beat the Wheel Nerds by, uh, they had 1345. So I beat them not quite by 100 points, but I did pretty damn good. I racked up 1,063 points in my last week. Uh, to wrap up the uh, the challenge, I have to say big, big thanks to the guys at Loud Pipes. We'll, we'll come back to them in a second because I do want to get to the individual listener challenge and tell you who won in that. All right. Well, first and foremost, thank you so, so, so much to Chris Singsheim, Paul Smith. I know I've said thanks a billion times to those guys. We know we're going to get them next year, fellas. And... I mean, I, none of my points would have mattered without their help and the incredible amount of miles that they rode and all the teams, you know, uh, thanks to their riders that really supported this whole challenge and made it uh, come through without listener support. It also would have really been just kind of for us to wag our microphones around and say who has the bigger microphone. So the individual listener challenge for the supporting podcast, there was eight riders and we will work backwards from 8th to 1st to make it a little bit more exciting for you. Uh, coming in in 8th spot, Michael Bugby for Wheel Nerds. Uh, similar to Wingman's Garage and Cleveland Moto, Michael didn't post up any miles. Uh, so he's sitting back there with the DNS. We kind of won't kick him out. So there's actually seven riders uh, that are being recognized for their participation. Uh, in seventh spot, we have, for the Wheel Nerds, Mr. John Jones. And Mr. Jones, I believe, was on vacation for the first couple weeks. So he came out on the last day and re- uh, knocked out 135 points, which sure as heck beats my my first week score of 104. So he got out there, got a few cities, and uh, you know put on some miles. Great going, John. In Sixth place, uh, not too not too far in front of uh, seventh, is Chris Vach or Veach. It's spelled like beach, but with the V, and then there's a T like Biach. So I'm just gonna call him Chris Vach. Vach. He came in with uh, 171 points for loud pipes. Every little bit counts, fellas. So yeah, that was the first week. So he. Uh, he didn't do anything for the second two weeks, so him and him and John were kind of down there at the bottom. I uh, think they had to work and stuff like that. Uh, coming in in fifth spot with 1,031 points, Chris Singsheim, Nitrous Chris, uh, did a hell of a job banging out a bunch of miles, getting some good city names, helped me rack up points in my own uh, challenge, coming in with 1,031 points. Now... This uh, listener challenge got just as close as the podcaster's challenge did because, you know, I only I only lost by, well, I only missed out by 12 points, 13 to put me in second. Uh, in fourth spot for the motorcycle man was Chad Rosen. Boom. Chad Rosen, boom, with 1,034. So Chris only also missed... Uh, fourth spot by three points as well so man me and chris we were right there uh you know a handful of points away less than a handful uh so yeah chad rosenboom coming in fourth for the motorcycle men with 1034 points adding to the motorcycle men's total uh third spot paul smith riding for creative writing our legendary field producer bry viffer 
aka Paul Smith, getting 1,102 points. So what a racked up the miles dude paul did like the craziest route uh just the other day just this last week and man he did look tired and he did some crazy balls out riding so thanks chris and thanks paul um for just packing on unnecessary miles and torturing your motorcycles and your butts for me i know chris is uh not his his ass is not in love with him anymore (laughs) or his bike at this point and i'm sure paul feels the same way and like i said paul did this crazy route the other day going all the way out from desert to coast and back again like dude you're nuts man but thank you so much your uh your points added to my final score as well um helped me obviously get my 1000 points this week. So all your guys, Chris and Paul, your help was greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Uh, coming in second spot for loud pipes and motorcycle man, this rider decided to switch it up. You could ride for whoever you wanted, as long as you stated it at the beginning of the week, who you're going to be riding for. So he rode for loud pipes. The first two weeks, I believe motorcycle men for the last week is Roger Smith with 1,270 points. Roger was riding. I think he was on vacation. No, he, or he, he works. He has like four days off a week. Um, Cause he works like he gets all his work done in like three days. So he has four days off and he would just spend that riding. And he basically rode all the way across the dam, you know, north half of the united states and and all that stuff and so uh 1270 points uh is is what separates him and with the lead there's only one guy left and i mentioned it before dangerous dave shoop riding for loud pipes with 1283 so again the first two spots only missed each other by he's 13 points behind as well um so yeah i mean god just a handful of points he's 13 off uh and chris was three off and then paul was right there in the middle paul was kind of uh you know when the leaders of a race will get off and then like third and fourth are battling for third and second place is just chilling well third place is chilling um that's kind of what happened so you got two guys tangling for the front and two guys tangling uh you know, behind and Paul's just kind of cruising in the middle. So yeah, that was, it was amazing. You guys, thank you so much. And again, thank you everyone at loud pipes for putting this on. Uh, it got us all together. It got us out riding more than we ever thought we would or should to places we never thought we'd go looking at everyone, you know, coming together and supporting each other and, and, you know, also the cool competitiveness. I won't lie. I'm a competitive guy and it was fun to compete and, uh, you know, just see what I could do this whole freaking challenge. Uh, you know, I was going to give you a a wrap up of what I did for this last week, but it's really not that important. It was a bunch of riding around SoCal to be honest, but I did enjoy Sunday breakfast with Rich and Paul down in San Diego. Um, that helped me, you know, that was on my way back up. And I, I, I rode down to San Diego, rode around, met up for breakfast with those guys and came home. Um, yeah, it was really great. I mean, it was so much fun, it provided us an opportunity and a reason to meet up and not just, you know, you know, for whatever, just cause, Hey, we both have podcasts, but this is really an engagement thing. And, uh, they put a lot into it. This game style stuff isn't easy to figure out or come up with. Or to, you know, administrate and do all the logistics and finding and the prizes. I mean, God, they got everybody prizes. So cool. So thank you, Loud Pipes, Rich, John, Rico, and Natalie. 
Uh, Natalie, most of all, probably because she was the one doing most of the tallying and and, and being super objective, uh, you know, and, and fair. And so really, really cool. Thank you guys for putting all this on. And I know thank you for all the individual riders that went out there and not only just picked a podcast to help out but also showed your support for us so that's what's really cool and uh yeah it was just it was so much fun and i can't thank those guys enough so that was the motorcycle uh podcasters challenge for 2017 in the books hopefully next year there are even more participants it's, it sounds like it's going to be growing each year and it's totally fun and a good way to get out there and get an excuse to ride on your motorcycle Uh, On a side note, I will say, I am the only one that did it on a two-frickin'-fifty. On a homemade seat, I might add. I'm going to do like a walk-around breakdown pictorial expose of my janky-ass bike that I did this challenge on. Because it might amaze some people (laughs) that I actually got like 10 miles. So, uh, yeah, I might do that. But anyway, uh, one thing that I did take away from, from it is that I was doing 90 a lot. Uh, this week in particular, um, but also some other times on the freeway, my bike doesn't not, not like 90. Um, I found out that about, I don't know how many, how much of a leader this is or how many CCs, but roughly about a half a cup of oil, um, made its way past the, uh, like the valve adjuster covers and the cam chain cover. And just uh, the front of my motor would always be dripping with oil whenever I stopped. And it was because it was getting forced out and, uh, did not like those high speeds and high pressures or whatever. And also once I slowed down to the speed limit, like 65, 70, yeah, let's say 80 at the max. Uh, it was nice to cruise, less wind, less stress on the bike. I mean, it wasn't as aggro fighting my way through traffic. So yeah, this thing made me realize a few things about riding. It's possible on a bike that seems like it should be hopeless. And two, um, made me appreciate just cruising, just being out there in the wind. everybody you looking for a gift for that motorcyclist in your life you need something cool and unique not just like a wallet or a keychain or something lame like that hey i know where you can go go check out our friend dan oh who's dan the man with the van with the plan down by the can no Go to, go to dailybikers.com. That Dan, Dan Michael, the owner, purveyor, creator, and maniacal biker over at Daily Bikers. Uh, Dan rides motorcycles every single day for a living, and he has gear reviews, ride reviews. He's been into social media and motorcycling since he was about four. If you want to hear more about Dan, go look up our episode, The Man from the Future, and check it out. And then do yourself a favor. Go over to dailybikers.com and check out the merch and then make your perch this perch. All right, dudes and dudettes, it's time for a little bit of podcast roundup. Here's my music for podcast roundup. Podcast roundup. (laughs) I just made that up. Could you believe that? So listen, 
You know, riders on the norm, I'm going to go in the order that they are on my phone. Well, Motorcycle Podcaster Challenge, you guys probably don't listen to that. Riders on the norm. Uh, they come out with episodes, obviously, every Thursday or every uh, Friday and Monday. And they've been talking a lot about the war run, the grundle run, um, the chopper camp out. But what about the world's biggest motorcycle mini bike race? That's right. They themselves are putting it on in conjunction with the war run. Um, go check out ridersonthenorm.com. You can find a link to their mini bike race there. It's going to be the galaxy's largest mini bike race. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so Riders on the Norm, the big news there. Wes. Wes is ditching Big Scott. Wes, how could you do that? Listen, he's not ditching him. He's moving to Nashville with Maddie. So uh, Matt, his, his uh, wife, Mad Dog. So they can chop together on a farm. And uh, if you want to hear more about that, go listen to this last week's Riders on the Norm. Uh, what else? Wingman's Garage. Well, I told you last week that I sat in on a live Wingman's Garage, and uh, you got to go listen to it. It's really good. Uh, they mention uh, trash pandas. <laughs> and uh, I've eaten trash panda, not to brag or anything, but that's uh that's Arkansas for you. I never fucked a sheep, but I did eat a, eat a raccoon. Uh, all right. So Wingman's Garage, they have a lot of good stuff talking about racing and sport bikes and stuff on that episode. It was really good. Really good. Loud Pipes, of course. They blew, I want to say, two of them out of the water in rapid succession. Uh, one was uh, the Wheels Through Time Museum, and the other one was uh, mountain riding and, uh, you know, California Dreaming, um, Rich's kind of impressions of California. So one came out Saturday and one came out Monday. Like I said, rapid succession. Uh, the Throttled podcast just came out. I have not listened to this week's yet, and so uh, I will tell you about it next week. Um, the Creative Writing Podcast. <laughs> who, who listens to that one anyway? Uh Cleveland Moto. Now, they haven't released one that I've seen since the middle of June, but guess what? Uh, Motorcycles and Misfits released one called Motorcycle Goals on their regular time. And I got to say, that was a really good episode. Doug and Kat commandeered the show in Liza's absence. Liza was at Mid-Ohio for Vintage Days. And uh, yeah, so Doug and Kat uh, did their a whole bunch of stuff talking about goals of being a motorcyclist, talking about the normal misfit stuff, you know, working on bikes and doing cool shit. So that was a really good one. And then on Tuesday, Liza, Emma, and Naked Jim were joined by Phil from Cleveland Moto, and I believe Dustin was there. And it was cool. It wasn't the crazy shit show that last year's AMA Vintage Days was, where they were in the bus and they were getting crazy. It was in front of a live audience. So you guys really got to go check that one out. It's actually full of a lot of cool information. Cafe Racer Motorcycle Podcast this week. Uh, Steve and Crash were back. Talking gear. You know, they always they always talk about... Uh, a little bit of gear they're kind of a gear show um and then getting off topic like they always do they all when i first started listening to them they were talking about their trucks and everything else instead of riding well this time they do that too but then they also talk about the schubert helmets uh the climb drifter jackets and uh i think they talked about comms um and then front end chatter uh, of course front end chatter why not front end chatter? Did this this week's front end chatter was really good. Um, episode sixty. So I've, I've they've been around longer than me, and I've actually done more uh, than they have. <laughs> so and anyway, they did a really good um, MotoGP breakdown, and 
also talking about the Circuit of Wales, which I think I talked about. At least I had it in my notes. Did I talk about that like just a couple weeks ago? Um, if I didn't, I totally had it on my notes and I recorded it, but I cut it out. But yeah, the Circuit of Wales they talk about, which is really interesting. And Cumbriambith to all the Welsh people out there. And um, it sucks what's happening with the Circuit of Wales, but um, surprise, surprise, was it really a surprise? Nope, probably not. All right. Well, that's this week's podcast wrap up. If you uh, have any good podcasts you think I should listen to, I listen to a lot of moto related ones, but I also listen to a lot of non-moto related ones. And uh, if you have any good ones you think I should listen to, let me know. All right. That was this week's podcast roundup. You know what time it is. It's time for a little bit of the WIR Top 10 News. What happened to WIR? I'll tell you what happened. Damn tornado happened. That's what happened. I told you before on one of these episodes that I, I am a lucky rabbit for people. And you never give a lucky rabbit's foot to a rabbit, damn you. And I went ahead and I said all the cool things I thought was going to happen at the WIR's Top 10 this Friday and blah, 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 blah. And you know those people want to race. They spent all this money on these bikes. They damn can barely pay their mortgage and wearing tattered fucking clothes. You know they want to get out there and race. <sighs> and then Mother Nature comes in. Now, Mr. Sing Syme, the same Chris that rode for me for the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge and who is known as Nitrous Chris at WIR Top 10 Bike Circles, that Chris sent me a video of a damn tornado almost happening right in front of him. You can see mud and cows and parts of fences and trees flying around in the air. And uh, then he showed me a picture of, I, I don't think it was WIR, I think it was the Great Lakes Dragaway. Damn covered in water. You could have raced jet skis out there. And so that's what happened with WIR's top 10. So to break it down, go check our Facebook page for the list. And look at that picture and then just go, okay, so that's still how it is because poor people haven't got a race yet. They damn stockpiling their Doritos and and their tires are going to dry rot before the dang weather cooperates in order to run. What the hell? Hopefully next time around in like four more weeks, they actually get a, get a ride because then it'll be the middle of summer. Shouldn't be raining in Wisconsin, right? In the middle of summer? We'll see. So you want to know what else is happening? Now let's, let's cover some other stuff. Let's cover the uh, AFT, American Flat Track. So that happened. If you listen to good old uh, Doghouse Radio, you'll know that at the incorrectly pronounced Lima Half Mile, what went down. Well, this week they top off calling Lima Lima, and they go ahead and they call Rolling Wheels Rolling Woods. What's wrong with you guys? Don't you listen to the show? Don't you... <laughs> Don't you watch? It's not Rolling Woods. It was the Rolling Wheels, half mile. But, uh, and it wasn't Lima or Lima. It's Lima, damn it. So, anyway, uh, listen to this podcast if you want the the real flat. I, I do pronounce stuff wrong and I get stuff wrong, but it, at least I don't get, get it wrong and then complain about it to myself. <laughs> Whatever that means. Okay. Hey, let's talk about the 2017 point standings. Let's break them down right here. Brian Smith. Man, you're dropping. You're dropping, son. Uh, Jared Meese is now in the lead with 202 points, five wins, and four poles, uh, compared to Brian Smith's 
four wins and two poles. So he's got a commanding lead. Smith's in second with 194 points. And Brad Baker in a distant third with 149. I mean, it seems kind of like a lot. Uh, but I guess there still are eight races where we just passed the halfway mark. Uh, damn, Sammy Halbert slamming Sammy with 145. He's right behind Baker. S- uh, Sammy could come in uh, podium this season. We'll see. He's been riding pretty pretty damn good. And then Jeffrey Carver Jr. coming down in fifth, holding fifth at 108 points. So he's a little bit off fourth, uh, but he's been doing pretty good. He's been pretty consistently up in the top there. Uh, in the AFT singles, Shayna Texter has a commanding lead right now with 167 points, four wins. Uh, Colby Carlisle is in uh, second with 135, zero wins. This boy has not won, but he's still in second, so you kind of see how important it is to be consistent. Uh, Brandon Price, he's in third with 131 points, so just just a nipple behind Colby Carlisle. Um, and then Ben Lau is in fourth with 106, and Cameron Smith rounding out the top five with 100 points. So 67 points uh, separate the leaders there, while like 100 points separate the top five in the Twins. So let's talk about uh, this last event at Rolling Wheels, or if you want to go with dog houses, Rolling Woods. So was it another Indian sweep? Well, I will tell you that an Indian did come in first place. Surprise, surprise. Uh, But which one? Was it the uh, Indian backed by Allstate or was it the other Indian backed by Allstate or was it the Rogers Racing uh, Scout FTR 750? Well, I'll tell you what. It was Jared Meese. So it was a Rogers Racing uh, Scout FTR 750 coming in first place. Meese flubbed it at Lima. Uh, didn't even make the main, and uh, you know what that led to. So he took it out on everybody this time and came in first by a commanding lead, almost five seconds. Like, it literally, almost is like 4.918. So, almost five seconds uh, past everybody. Now, in the very beginning, I got a bunch of crap for this too because I was watching it on their new live uh, live stream. If you go uh, to the app store and look up the American Flat Track app, you can get it and it's pretty cool because you can see all the standings, all the news, all that great stuff and watch the live uh, feed straight from the app or you can go to their Facebook page or you can go to fanschoice.tv but I found that it's really easy to do it from the app. What isn't easy is to conceal it from your family in the middle of dinner (laughs) and get yelled at. So that's what happened to me. I was watching the race. uh, Everyone's telling me, no electronics, what's wrong with you? And it was like my mother-in-law's birthday and I probably shouldn't have been trying to yeah i was you know i was getting a lot of flack for it but i couldn't miss it i had to watch it for the show because they don't repeat this stuff anymore like they used to before the espn deal uh i mean not the espn the the, uh cbs uh nbcsn deal let me get this straight so you know where to watch it um it's on the espn bcs bcs p uh, kpbs and there you go all right so yeah uh mies came in first let me quit bs and then tell you who came in second it was Halbert. Halbert came in second, slamming Sammy, finally uh, 
you know, I think he had the lead there for a little bit, if I remember correctly. And uh, then Jared took it, and then that was that. So, uh, but he did come in uh, by another commanding lead in second, too. They were like pretty spaced out, if I remember correctly. And he was not on the Yamaha this week. Uh, Since he is not a factory rider, he can do whatever the hell he wants. So he ditched the Yamaha for the Harley this week. And he was on the Estenson Logistics XR750. So putting a Harley in, uh, into second spot, but not a factory Harley. And then in third spot, we had Brad Baker, who admittedly said he didn't really do very well last year at Rolling Wheels. Uh, and so he was pretty pretty excited to get another one of the Indians, this one backed by Allstate, the Indian Motorcycle Racing backed by Allstate Scout FTR 750. That's a mouthful. Let's just say the other one of the other Indians. So we've got, uh, you know, and then Jeffrey Carver was like battling i mean jeffrey carver did pretty good on the uh ninja 650 i think it was like second to last lap or last lap something like that him and brad baker were just like going at it i i really thought he was going to pull him uh coming around one of those last corners but then in the last like straight away uh brad baker got him by a little bit it wasn't like a whole second or anything but he he got him and then um uh, brandon robinson coming in fourth on the factory harley xgr 750 Shana Texter's B friend, her bay, Shana's bay, Briar Bauman coming in on the Zanotti Racing Kawasaki Ninja 650, which we just saw him on the podium. Uh, and so, yeah. And then Brian Smith, uh, his worst finish of the season in seventh, dude. And so, yeah, he gives it the gives up the lead to uh, Jared Meese. All right, let's jump down to the singles, or jump up to the singles. Um, our girl, Shayna Texter, coming in. First spot on the Richie Morris Racing Honda CRF 450R. I even told my daughter, hey, who do you think won? She was like, Shayna Texter. And I was like, yeah, otherwise I probably wouldn't have said anything to you, huh? Um, so... Uh, according to uh, what I read on AFT's uh, website, they figured she would be in a shootout with Kevin Stollings, but uh, I don't even think he was up there. So Shayna, this is her fourth victory of the season. Like I said, she is in the lead now with 167 points. Um, Wyatt Anderson came in second and pretty, uh, you know, keeping Shayna honest there. Colby Carlisle coming in third. Like we mentioned, he is uh, he bumped back up in front of Brandon Price um, in the points, in the overall points. So that just shows you yeah, coming in third, just being consistent counts. And then Stollings, I think he dropped pretty far down. I saw him. Oh, here, he came in uh, fourth. So, yeah, he did. He dropped back down, not out of tenth, but he was like in, it says he was in seventh. So, yeah, he, uh, you know, the the fight for the front never materialized, but dude, Shana just just whipped buns again. So yeah, it's just so much fun watching these guys, you know, slide around the track. And and I know we're like over halfway through the season, but it is still pretty rad just to see uh, what could happen. You know what I mean? Like there is still some chances for some of the stuff to move around there. Uh, in the bottom. So there's a break this weekend and uh, they resume at the Calistoga Half Mile July 29th, Calistoga, California. Get your tickets. Check them out. Fanschoice.com or the American Flat Track app, which is how I'm doing it now. All right. Uh, speaking of flat track and something that's near and dear to my heart, the SoCal Hooligans 
and all the hooligans actually uh, worldwide. Um, let's let's talk. I had an opportunity to talk to uh, Harley Ryder, Harley Racer for Speed Merchant, and uh, he's been a guest on the show once before. But I really wanted to say before I begin the interview, please, I'm going to try and bump this out a day early, and that's because I want you to hear this important announcement. Go to Harley Davidson's Facebook Live or Facebook page. They are going to be live streaming the X Games from uh, Minneapolis. And the only way you're going to be able to see the hooligan class is if you watch. And that's going to be at 7.30 Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, so 5.30, uh, no, no, 4.30 uh, Pacific Time. And you got to check it out. And they're going to have the regular X Games flat track racing on ESPN. But the only way you're going to see the non-pro, low-class, home-built hooligans um, could be you. If you had a bike and you entered this class, um, yeah, you may know one of these guys. You might be a neighbor or a co-worker with one of these guys. So go check that out. And now, let's get into an interview with a very special guest. We called up... Our own Chris Wiggins. He is the racer, Harley Hooligan racer, number nine, racing for Speed Merchant, one of our SoCal boys. And I wanted to talk to him about hooligan racing in general and also give us a recap of the Born Free Stampede. Since we weren't there, we were in Hawaii. Let's hear about it. So let's see. So Born Free Stampede. Um... I guess, like, the first thing to say in the recap was awesome. Like, Mike and Grant... He mentions this in a minute, but Mike and Grant, just for reference, are, like, the organizers of Born Free. Um, they they put on a, a great race that, from what I could tell, everyone had a good time. Um, with With some of our hooligan racing this summer, there's been some drama on some mostly monetary issues and uh they just got rid of it they're like you know what we're not gonna give a purse and i i honestly think that helped they also um costa mesa speedway has been in that spot since i believe 1969 and um the guy that runs it his dad started it and him and his crew like they know that track they run a tight ship so what Mike and Grant did from the guys from Born Free, they just went to Costa Mesa Speedway to uh, the Oxleys, and they said, "Hey, we want to have a race, like, but we want you to run it." And uh, it was great, man. It ran like clockwork. The track was beautiful. I mean, it was—it's amazing. I've ridden that track probably more than anyone else in our little group, and uh, it wasn't perfect. But when you say Costa Mesa wasn't perfect, it's still the probably the best track we run on its worst day i mean it's just saying and everyone even I, I don't know how many times i heard how great the track was and it was it was it was awesome close good racing all night long uh no one went to the hospital there weren't any very bad crashes there was a couple little laydowns but um overall it was probably the most fun best race to date that i've been to rad um, and it's like you know you go to the next big race and it kind of, it kind of, uh, shadows the last ones. And we've had some good ones in the past, you know, dirt quakes always good for me as an individual dirt quake. UK was that one's hard to beat, but you know, for, for the born free guys, um, 
I know last year they, they wanted to put a race on. They were working with Speed Merchant, and uh, they had the idea, and they were trying to figure it out. And just dirt and water on location at the show, just it didn't work out. Um, so this year they got with Harley and got with Costa Mesa Speedway, and they said, let's, let's do this race at the legendary Costa Mesa Speedway. And it was a good idea. I mean, to, to put it mildly, it was a great idea. Yeah. It, so. And um, <clears throat> it was that wasn't technically part of the like hooligan flat track national series, but it ended up being part of Born Free, which I mean is a huge, you know, yeah. anybody that knows motorcycles knows Born Free, you know, what Born Free is all about. Right. Uh, no, it was its own little standalone event. Uh, Roland has his little super hooligan series and they have piggybacked onto some other events like the one show flat out Friday and even dirt quake. Those aren't really super hooligan events, super hooligan kind of like piggybacked on top of the event. Um, and so, but born free, they didn't want anything to do with that. This super hooligans brought a bunch of money and a, a bunch of things that, Honestly, and I have to say, as much as I've kind of on the opposite side of it, I have to say the guys over at Rollins, when they did it, um, I personally disagreed with it. I was in hot water for voicing myself, but that's happened before. But I do have to say that I think deep down, um, the guys thought it would work out for the better. They thought, hey, you know, we got this thing going. Let's, let's put a purse up. Let's put some good prizes, and we'll grow the event. Um, I can't speak for them exactly but i can say that i don't i think they backed off it a little bit you've already got you know you've already got your literature and your rules that says we're going to pay this much for first this much for second we're going to do this and that like that stayed but some of the other things that they were doing have went away um and so i think that's good i mean it's it's a learning cur- you know the hooligan thing in general has all grown so fast it's been growing pains right and, um that's part of it i mean and Indian and Roland came in. They came in with a big checkbook. And I think deep down they did what they thought would be positive for everyone. And not everyone agreed with them. But I think that's part of growing pains. And, you know, I can't I can't be mad at them for coming in with money and making a, a series like they did. Um, and I can't be mad that no one really foreshadowed what would work. And... From my personal point of view, it didn't work out as good as they thought. I could be wrong thinking that they noticed that. And if it doesn't work out as positive as they think, I don't think they'll ever admit it, especially not to me. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the, the Born Free guys kind of looked at it, decided that they didn't want the money. They didn't want the big purse for first place. They wanted good, fun racing. And so they pulled that out. Um you know, and it, it worked out good. They had, off the top of my head, they had 40, 36 or 40 hooligan racers, like like hooligan expert racers. I think 36. I want to say six heats of six to start the evening. So hooligan expert alone, there were 36, if my numbers are correct. Um, there was also a hooligan amateur class with another six or eight guys. They also, in the women's class, had three or four, two, three women in the women's class, um, all on hooligan bikes. So, you know, 
separating given a hooligan amateur class i think was good that let some guys race that haven't been racing all the time but man to have i mean there were 36 hooligan expert riders and honestly they were turning guys away you know they had they had a little more than 100 riders they tried to limit it at 100 the guys from born free are pretty nice and they let a few people in later but man i mean for me 36 hooligan expert riders at a race is like it's not necessarily mind-blowing anymore because i've seen it before but and it just makes you feel good inside to see this sport growing and i um those numbers are a testament the people in the stands are a testament and honestly like like podcasts like yours are a testament of people are loving the hooligan racing right you know for me um like for me it's kind of a part of me i've been doing it so long now and since there were so few that it's like it's this huge thing that's like growing and it's like i'm kind of a proud dad (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) not definitely not the only dad but definitely uh proud to see it, it doing what it's doing so and born free was an amazing event i think uh you hit on it in one of your shows but the top three was brad spencer he's a middle norcal guy old 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 flat tracker was pro like 30 years ago and he's an old dude and you see him in the pits and you think he's just going to kind of cruise around and honestly the guy rips um so he went out pretty well dominated all night long uh mikey virus from rusty butcher pulled a second uh he ran really good all night and then fast jay is one of my speed merchant teammates he was actually a back row starter with me and um got up got in the mix and pulled off a third Fourth place, I believe, was Troy Hoff, one of Roland's Indian riders. Um, a little plug for the Harley guys. It was the only Indian in the A main. <laughs> and, yeah. But Troy, you know, and honestly, you know, it goes back to we had 36 expert dudes. Um, I mean, that that's double like an AFT field. You know what I mean? Like, that's an incredible. Yeah. Was it like, was were you guys running like four or eight, you know, semis and all that stuff? Or how did that? Ran four peats. No, six heats, four semis, and four main. My God, man. Yeah, I mean, it was packed. It was tight racing. I mean, to give you an idea of the B main, Roland Sands, Jordan Graham, and Cameron Brewer were in the B main, and Alfonso from Speed Merchant was in the, you know, Fonzie was in the B main. Dude, that B main, that B main was unbelievably fast. Um, the C main was, let's see, the guy that won the C main was one of the noise riders, Juan Arceo. And, uh, second place was Carrie Hart, you know, freestyle motocross right. legend Tat- father. You, Tat- know? T- uh, you know, if you don't, if you're not into motorcycles, you might've seen the Hart and Huntington reality show they had for a while. Yeah, dude, that guy's been ripping for a long time. He has. And what I like about Carrie is he wants to come out and have a good time. And he, he appreciates what we're doing because we show up and pick up trucks and vans and we, we unload and we all help each other out. And it reminds him of when he started motocross before there were big semis and big money teams. And so, you know, he comes out, he has a good time. Um, and he, he's still fast, you know? Uh, and I think third place in the C main was Sean McConnell. So if you are familiar with Costa Mesa Speedway and you're familiar with USA Speedway in general, 
Sean Mad Dog McConnell is a Speedway like legend. He's a local hero. Um, the guy still rips on a Speedway bike, but he was on a, a bike from. Oh, now I'm going to lose the name of the shop in Anaheim. But uh, anyway, so he was on a little on a Dyna Tracker actually this time. But that was our C main top three to give you an idea how fast how fast the night was and the caliber of rider. You know, those three guys were the top three in the C-Main. Um, Fonzie and a bunch of really, really fast rolling team Indian guys in the B-Main. So let's see, where was I? Oh, say so fourth place in the A-Main was Troy Hoff. Fifth place, I believe, was uh, one of the San Diego kids. I'm going to blank on his name right now. They all call him Dirty. Um, fifth place, no, he was fifth. So sixth place was actually Butcher. No, I'm missing someone in the middle. Oh, well, Butcher and I were battling for 6th and 7th, and then uh, one of the, another noise rider, um, Brandon Gonzalez, was 8th. So, I mean, you know, you followed hooligan racing enough to tell you that if Butcher and I were battling for 6th and 7th, yeah. how how steep it was. Yeah, you got... missing one. That'd be, that'd be him in 6th and me in 7th. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you guys are always, you know, at the Ivy League stuff at the top of the... You know, you guys are the cream of the crop, and we, <laughs> I've heard some of these names in the past that you're that you're naming off, and and yeah, is, and it's not because they're you know I heard them at hooligan events. I mean, they, these are like you said, these are older legends of the sport yeah. and stuff, and also the caliber of racing, the the tightness. You can imagine that what people are watching on TV is stuff on like half miles and miles. Now imagine condensing that down into like a freaking hockey rink. You know what I mean? Like not, yeah. not quite that small, but you know, what I'm, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you guys are like just the, the caliber just to pass people and, and get positions and come around. It's just, it just seems like it takes so much, you know, skill and guts. <laughs> and we're riding. Yeah. Costa Mesa, they call an eighth mile track. Um, it's the most beautiful eighth mile I've ever been on. And it's a small eighth mile too. I mean, we literally, it's referred to as the bull ring, you know, um, it's, it's decomposed granite. It's kind of slick. It slides. It's not like a clay track. Like you're seeing a lot of the miles, um, in the AFT guys, you see like the pea gravel and then you see the clay, the decomposed granite's more like the pea gravel. It's kind of loose on top. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're doing it on this little tiny track. We had eight guys, two rows in the main on this little teeny racetrack. And the lightest bike out there was probably 430, 440 pounds. <laughs> and this is something, I mean, honestly, and I've talked to some of the pros. I've recently had become friends with Jeffrey Carver and then the three hooligan guys, or the three hooligan, sorry, the three Harley Davidson guys. And they all think we're nuts because, I mean, even their pro twin bikes are 320, 330. And they're like, dude, you guys are on bikes with worse suspension, you know, worse geometry, and they weigh 100 pounds more than our twins. And all we tell them, you know, we're like, you know, when this started, it was the mentality was give us a racetrack and we'll race. Yeah. And um, I kind of hate the parking lot tracks that we're doing a lot of. However, I can't forget that, like, give us a track and we'll race thing. And I, I think that's one thing that makes the hooligans popular is, like, dude, I mean, put four, six cones down or whatever and we'll race around them. <laughs> right, right. You know, and uh, 
so that's definitely like Costa Mesa, dude. It's this little beautiful bull ring with grandstands all around it. And we're on these 450 pound bikes, um, just rev limiter, you know, the Harleys and Indians sound good on the chip, man. And we're just riding them as hard as we can. And, you know, when you see some of, like you said, these old guys, these old legends in moto, like showing up and just hanging with us, like you can see kind of the caliber that we're racing at. Yeah. And not only, I mean, it's just, it's so cool for me just because I'm all about grassroots. I've, I've never been about, uh, I mean, I, I like the fact that Butcher wanted to, you know, uh, specifically, I think Tracker Cross, and, and uh, I think he's got some shirts out and stuff that says keep hooligan non-pro, right? Yeah. And that's a big like middle finger or, or a slap in the face to the, I mean, there's nothing against the, the pros is like what gets emulated, but at the same time, like, but then don't come down and, you know, spoil our fun that we're having because then it's not fun anymore, right? I mean, that's like... Yeah, it's uh, it's been a big talking point and that's a lot of when I am trying to be halfway political correct, politically correct, but when I talk about Roland series, that's a lot of what it is. I, I raced um, the one show this year and um, it, they made it a Indian event, Indian piggybacked onto a Harley event, which kind of bums me out too, like... Harley is the main sponsor of this event. And then the way Indian comes in, they try to act like they're sponsoring the event. But anyway, what happened was uh, Sammy Halbert and Joe Cop both hopped on Indians. And it, it makes it a, a pay-to-play type deal. Like, Indian's writing a check. And I'm sure they wrote Sammy a check to get on the bike. Plus, he kept all his winnings. Right. I mean, he... he- it's weird because like he is racing a Yamaha and a Harley right now, so they must have paid him something to jump on a Indian. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I guarantee he got a show up. Yeah, I mean he was there racing anyway in the pro class because he's a Northwest guy. But I guarantee he got a he got a set fee to hop on the bike, and then you know he won the main, so he got I think that's a grand. I know he won the dash for cash. That's definitely a grand. Uh, I beat him out of the whole shot award, so that was 300 bucks for me that he didn't get. But I literally, you know, we had a restart, and I was in second, and I went around him on the restart. I, I whole-shotted him from behind him. And when I went into turn one, I, I mean, it's good and bad both. Because, one, when I went into turn one, as soon as I went to take the corner away, I thought in my head, dude, this is slamming Sammy Halbert. Like, this is a bad idea on my part right <laughs> yeah. now. And... um I mean, he just punted me out of the way. And part of it was like, you know, a lot of guys were like, well, hit him back. And my my flip side to that is like, Manny Pacquiao's a little dude. And you're not going to punch that guy, no matter how big you are, because you're not stupid. Yeah. Sammy, you know, Sammy's that way in, in flat track motorcycling. Like, he's the dude that runs into people. Um, and on the flip side to that, like, I'm on a list of people that have been ran into by Sammy Halbert. And in the flat track world, that's a big list. But in the motorcycle world, that's a short list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an honor, you know. Um, but it's one of those, like, Butcher and I are on the same page where, you know, we've we've spent the last few years growing this and kind of showing AFT how to grow a sport in a way um, and showing a lot, of, a lot of professional race organizations that we don't have to do it your way, our way is working type stuff. And, uh, you know, we build this this thing up, and then now that there's money in it, the pros want to come in and take the money. And I can't blame the pros, man. I guarantee Sammy Halbert can use a grand just as much as I can. But um, 
it's still it's it's still a bummer. But you know, I've seen races since then where Sammy's not been on an Indian, and I wonder if I have heard rumors that he was told no. So again, things are changing, things are growing, but. Um, I will say that my, my hooligan bike is famous for the polished aluminum rear fender. And the only sticker on that rear fender says keep hooligan racing non-pro. Right. Right. So it's a, you know, it's a definitely a debate, you know, and you got, you got guys like Carrie, Carrie was pro what? 20 years ago. Like, yeah, yeah. Let that dude race. And when Carrie retired, he retired. He didn't go racing every weekend, just not as a pro anymore. Like, he, he gave it up for a while. Now, he you know, he takes his daughter to the race. Uh, I was at a race, and his wife showed up. You know, like, he just kind of, he has a good time with it. Like, is he going to race? Yes. But he's going to race clean, and he's not going to do anything crazy stupid. He doesn't want to get hurt. He doesn't want to get anyone else hurt. And that's, a lot of pro riders, yeah, they kind of have that mentality, but they might do something that is out of our level of riding. And, you know, if it gets me hurt and not him, he might not think of it. But a lot of the hooligan guys as a group, it's kind of a general understanding that we really try not to get each other hurt. Um, you know, we're all out there again on 450 pound bikes and accidents happen. And, and a lot of us are, I don't, not so bad anymore. I got to say Costa Mesa, there was no bad accidents. Um, I don't, really think of any in the hooligan classes anyone even really hitting the wall or anything but um you know it's kind of a general understanding no one wants to get hurt right you throw, you throw someone in there like sammy halbert whose nickname is slamming sammy and you put a thousand bucks in front of him what do you expect that he's going to do yeah and i was also going to mention too that uh you know you guys might not have the same you know, at Costa Mesa, at Ivy League, I know there's paramedics and stuff on hand. I, I don't remember seeing them at the tracker cross, but nobody wants to wad it up and wreck your weekend racer and then be all jacked up at work. Where some of the other guys, right. you know, they go, the team pays for surgery or a bike replacement and they're back two weeks, if not like two races later, if it's bad, but, you know, maybe just a couple weeks later. Yeah. And that, um, I, that's a lot to it too. And that's, Again, in our, in our growing pains and in our, like, what, you know, I, I'm the type, like, I want to see, like, I want to see your name on the title, or I want to know how you earn that motorcycle. And there's a lot of guys out there that are, that are definitely hooligans and definitely deserve to be with us, but they only, they didn't start racing until someone handed them a bike. And to me, the thing there is, like, where's your passion at? Like, if you didn't want to go spend the money and the time to build a bike somehow then are you really passionate about enough about hooligan racing that we want you out there? So, and you know, I know that that's never going to stick. Like it's real easy for someone to be like, Oh, I let so-and-so ride my bike this weekend. And you know, I'm one of those, like I'm working on a second bike right now. And one of my bikes will probably be offered up to people to ride in the future. And it'll be like friends of mine or people that have been around. And it's like, Hey dude, enjoy it. Go ride the bike. But I also don't know any flat track pros that I'm going to put on it. So right. unless, I can, unless I can get Jeffrey Carver out for a few laps, we might do that. Hey, everybody. A quick reminder. If you are tuning into this and it is Thursday, 
make sure you go check out Harley Davidson's Facebook Live page. Facebook page, look for the live event. That's the only way you're going to see the hooligan class. And if you want to see the regular flat track class, it'll be on at 9.30 on ESPN. 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time for the hooligan class. Harley Davidson Facebook page. Like you're saying, hooligan has definitely made an impression on people, whether it was good or bad. And I don't know how the AFT felt about, you know, the actual Roland series uh, partnered up with it for one round. And some of the guys were like, yeah, I love it. And and some other, you know, other people were like, eh, you know, whatever. And who cares? Like, really, who cares about what they have to say because the thing is is it's it's basically the same damn thing a little bit crazier and and uh i think i i heard you mention in jeffrey carver back then he's and he's like slowly stepping in and a lot of the people that have other shows i could tell they aren't like huge flat track fans because they're like who's that and i'm like dude he's I mean, not he's been racing for years now, but he's never been like a bottom tier guy. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's weird to hear people. But the the positive thing is that, like you said, through uh, the whole sport picking up, it's just the hooligans got this huge boost. I feel like everybody wants to do like some sort of flat track now at the at any event or show. You know what I mean? It's yeah, pretty cool. I mean, it. We've definitely taken it to the extreme. You know. Uh, I don't, I don't ever refer to it as super hooligan because that's like literally Roland's term. They own that. Um, but the whole hooligan thing in general is, it is exactly that. I mean, it started as a run what you brung type of class. Um, I see a lot of problems when people do run what you brung. There's like knobby dirt bikes out there and things that shouldn't be out there. The run what you brung was meant to be like a street bike class. Um, and then of course with like Harley's involvement in flat track, like the hooligan thing's been around a long, long time, you know, since well before I can remember, I got guys telling me, Oh, I used to race hooligan at Ventura in the (laughs) eighties, which is awesome. You know? Um, so none of us are saying like we started anything definitely helped the resurgence. Like, I don't think it's ever been this big. Um, but I think when it comes to the AFT, what, what both, parties have to do i mean we're both racing x games this week um that's because of harley davison if you get on harley davison's website there's three race teams on there well three kind of three race teams there's uh the drag race team there's the the three pro flat track riders johnson and Colbeth, and i'm gonna lose the other guy off the top of my- brandon robinson <laughs> yeah so those three and then there's the hooligan teams like on harley davison factory website where you go to look at new bikes and and look up a hog group and pay your thing and you know and you can go to a section and it talks about me personally like that blows my mind right now but i think what we have to do with aft and what they have to do with us you know i'm not i'm not one to sit back and like let everyone dictate how they're gonna run the hooligans but what I think we need to do and they need to do is work together, man. Like we, we are bringing a demo and it's, I mean, this is known. It's not anything like I'm not being a prick, like saying this stuff, like it's been said by other people, but we are bringing a demographic to flat track racing. that has not been around flat track racing since the eighties and early nineties. Right. And that is, that is like dudes under 50 years old. Right. And, and dudes that will use the word dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, 
so even though, I mean, look at your writer base. Like, uh, you know, I like to refer to Carver because I know him a little better. But, you know, the, the dude's, what, 26? Um, there's a lot of writers in their early 20s, but the racing in general, I think, appeals to an older demographic. And we're bringing not only a younger demographic, but a different demographic to the sport of flat track. And we're not trying to say, like, it's because of us. But what we are trying to say is we know we're doing something and we're not we don't want to discredit AFT or the pros. Like, we love what they're doing. And we like we I mean, to a point, we idolize those dudes. But um, it's definitely working together, like you know, have us at more events and it's hard because they're not doing too many short tracks, but have us at more events and we want to do more to help them. And, and, you know, it's, it sounds stupid, but we go to an event and everyone's got their Instagram live on and their Instagram story going and they're like hashtag flat track. And, you know, you look at, you look at the pros and they don't have that. Um, right. You know, it was actually said, I believe in a Harley meeting, and it kind of got out, and it made us feel good. But the uh, I think what was said, and you, I'm not quoting this. I'm making half of it up because statistics are always made up. So <laughs> they uh, what was said was about the hooligans that Speed Merchant alone has a bigger social media presence than every single professional flat track rider combined. I believe it. And then when you add in Suicide Machine, Rusty Butcher, Roland Sands, and then the individuals within those groups – it, it just blows AFT out of the water. And at, at one point, too, like, I will be the first one to tell you, like, it's social media. It's dumb. But it is what it is right now, and we're all kind of hopping on that wave. So, and, you know, so, yeah, I bring up I bring up Carver because, uh, yeah, a few weeks ago when we were in Arizona, I actually, um, actually, it's like the week before Tracker Cross, I think. Uh, he's a, so Carver's an FTW co-writer. Um plug-in sponsors yeah so he uh so i was talking to him a little bit you know and he i said hey man you ever wanted to hop on a hooligan bike and part of this is always like hey man you want to hop on my twin race bike like i'm waiting someone will do it I guess. <laughs> but uh so you know carver being the motorcycle rider that he is he got this like twinkle in his eye and was like yeah dude i'd love to and he's like which one and the other flip side of that is, like, I'm always looking for help with setup. I'm always looking for insight from someone that knows what they're doing because we don't know what we're doing. Um, so I'm like, dude, here, ride my bike. So he went out and did a few laps on it. Um, you know, we kind of had the same opinion on what needed adjustment and its suspension, which costs money. But uh, it's cool. Like, it, it got a pro on a hooligan bike a little bit, not in a race, not sandbagging, not trying to take a podium. But – it's still cross-pollinated. Like, it still gets, you know, I got cool little posts about Carver riding my bike, and now he's got that little experience. And and when it when he hears about the hooligans somewhere and people are debating, hey, should we let them at this event? He can go, man, those guys are pretty cool. Let's get them in there. Um, hey, wh- real quick, why is it always the expensive stuff that makes everything better too, right? Why can't it be cheap stuff? <laughs> You know, I'm not going to say it is. Uh, I'm just going to say that's what I'm left with. Like, I already made all the cheap stuff better. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this about Hooligan, um, and I kind of touched on it when I interviewed with you before, but I feel like it's one of the cheapest forms of racing. Like, the bikes are so heavy and the motors are so big and powerful, 
that you don't need to spend a bunch of money on the motor, which is usually the expensive part of racing. So, you know, you can, you can go out there with a pretty stock sportster and be competitive. My problem that I'm running into, I feel like a lot of the guys I race with are more talented than I am. So I have to, I have to make up for it where I can, which is like, I pay attention to track conditions. I gear my bike. I, I actually adjust suspension for different tracks. Um, and that's honestly because I feel like guys like Rusty Butcher are literally like a more talented motorcycle rider than I am. Um, mm. Hopefully he disagrees with me. It'd make me feel good. But that's kind of like how I look at it. But <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely like part of it. Um, let's see. So where were we at? So Carver, Carver hopped on it. That was cool. Yes. Um, Carver's been moving up in the in the podium, man. He's been doing consistent He's been he's been finishing well. He podiumed at Lima. Is that the correct pronunciation? Yep. I almost slapped everybody that was saying Lima all weekend. Um yeah, so he podiumed up there right by and battled with Brad. Unfortunately I missed it live and because of the ABC thing, um I didn't I haven't got to see the main. But um yeah, man, I, I'm super stoked, dude. He's he's a privateer, he's a nice dude who just goes racing and enjoys it so it's good to see him out there like doing well and um yeah like succeeding you know it's it's so good to see that and i think it gives people hope you know what i mean like yeah people feel hope yeah and it's cool that like he's not one of the guys that scorns the hooligan class and he's like yeah you know i'm gonna try this crazy stuff out and not yeah you know like that's pretty actually really cool yeah, we actually, um, and the riders think it's a good idea. I got to get Harley on board, but we're trying to do a little swap with the pro Harley team. Um, it's my idea, and I'm, I'm like presenting it. And uh, you know, sometimes I have good ideas, sometimes I have bad ideas. But I won't say much about that unless it happens. But I did. Uh, a few of us, uh, myself, Ronnie from Speed Merchant, and Brandon Gonzalez, one of the noise riders, we got to meet the Harley factory team a couple weeks ago and hang out with them for a few days. And like now the Harley factory team's totally on, on board with the hooligan stuff. Like they're like, Oh man, now we know who to root for with the hooligan racing. <laughs> they're, um, you know, they're, they're kind of excited. They, and it was cool because it's like, they had seen it. They knew what was going on. They've seen it. I just made it home. My dog is, she's like, what are you, you're not talking to me. So yeah, even like the Harley factory team guys kind of see what's going on. They're, um, in tune even like they're into it now like they're and you know maybe they were before but it was cool to like i think once once the the pro guys get to know us a little bit they're they're all pretty excited they're all pretty um kind of all for it i mean yeah i've known a lot of us have known brad baker for a couple years now uh he used to be sponsored by vance and hines when he was a harley rider so he got to meet a lot of us that were working there and racing at at the time um so it's happening, but I think it's just continued support from them and working together with us um, would be, I mean, to me, it's like super cool to go do a, a race at an AFT event. Like it's an honor, you know? Um, yeah. And there's so much downtime in between some of their, I'm not a hundred percent sure what they're doing, but I mean, I've watched that stuff live and it's like an all day thing oh, Yeah, and it would be cool to have some like intermission races and give you guys a platform to get a little bit more, um, seat time, if nothing else, seat time, you know? 
Yeah, I would like to think so. Like, obviously, not that we can't, but you have to be strict to you allow in. Obviously, the miles and stuff are hard. Um, I mean, I'd love to do a mile. Uh, I know Sacramento does an amateur mile every year, and I just haven't made it yet. But, you know, when they did Georgia, it was a smaller track. Um, it can be done. Uh, I know we're racing Paris this year. So yeah. it's possible. Um, and I, I think, you know, what they need to look at, too, is they can brag about it and go, hey, man, like, you guys can bring your, your street bike out here and race with these guys. Um and maybe, you know, maybe restrict it more like that. Like, you know, hey, you got your, you rode your Harley to the track today. Like, come down and race it. Um, I think that would have to be on some shorter tracks. And you'd have to set up some, like, guidelines for guys. Like, hey, you need to bring a full face helmet and a jacket and gloves and full pants and boots. But it could be super cool and you could get, like, fans involved. And that's going to grow it. You know, to me, it'll grow it for everyone. Right. That's what I was going to say too when you started mentioning that and the factory getting involved in in hooligan stuff is is not you know necessarily making a whole nother race series since there's already one but the fact that you guys are doing it out of a passion for the love of racing and the love of the brand even um and the fact that you could get a fan into it now you wouldn't want a fan like to go first time and do a mile but you know, like you're saying, like that is total engagement. And with the way that the motorcycle industry is kind of moving right now, I mean, Harley still holds the, uh, like the cruiser market down. They got that on lockdown pretty much, but they're still facing their own problems with how do I grow the market? How do I keep it going? Like, and, and I just had this conversation with another podcaster this weekend myself, the racing heritage versus the marketing like goals. And this, this is a perfect series to kind of combine those two and, you know, basically merge them together into one and not have to worry about, well, why the hell is Harley making a, a 750, you know, because I want to I want to ride my gigantic bagger. And it's like, yeah, but Harley started in racing and it's always going to be a part of it. And the marketing department doesn't focus on that as much. You know what I mean? Now, nowadays. So that would be a. Uh, that would be a perfect opportunity to to blend them together. Basically, that is the hooligan class. And it, it's hard, I think, because you're right. Like the marketing department, like a lot of those people look at numbers all day. They don't look at passion. They don't look at heritage. They don't look at just enthusiasts. You know, they look at who's buying motorcycles and who's not. Um, and it's hard. You know, growing, I grew up around Hondas and. I am disappointed to say the least in, in Honda motorcycles in the last 20 years. Um, they're boring to me and they don't, they don't want to go win races where when Shakira Honda was around, they went and they won races because he said, we're going to go win races and they did everything they needed to do to go win races. And yeah, that costs a lot of money, but look at the end product, like for a long time. And I would say it even, it even trickles down to current time. Like, you go want you want a quality sport bike you go buy a honda like, no one's really going to debate that with you like no matter what one rides they're not going to tell you that a honda is more quality like a lot of will be like yeah that's probably a better bike <laughs> yeah i mean there's a re- and and the the funny thing is that uh, like speaking of AFT, like a lot of people were getting turned off because Indians been winning like the first nine rounds or whatever. And I said, but nobody ever looks at the 
the singles class, like Honda wins everything and nobody's mentioned Honda. It's always Indian. And I'm thinking you got to look at the riders, you know, you can't look at the manufacturer right now. And, you know, back in the, oh shoot, I want to say back in the thirties, Indian had it for like three years or five years. And then after that, they didn't. So, I mean, this could just be a flash in the pan and it could, you know what I mean? But the thing is that what's important is the fact that you're growing the fan base via the fact that you can take your bike and go out and do what, like what you guys are doing, you know? And that's, that's like why the whole thing's cool to me. On that note, we are going to switch gears for a second. And Chris is going to talk about this very thing. It's an event that he's promoting later this year. Let's take it away, Chris. Yeah, so I'm promoting a race September 23rd in Santa Maria, Santa Maria Racetrack, and the class that I'm super, super excited about is a hooligan street bike class, and you have to run, same rules apply as the regular hooligan class, like, it's got to be 750 or bigger, it's got to be a twin or more cylinders, um, you know, obviously Harleys and Indians are preferred and whatever, but I'm not, you know, if someone shows up with a CV750 or something, like, that's cool, but you have to have DOT street tires on your bike. Um, and the idea is that your bike's already set up. Like, to race with us, to keep up with us, you want good flat track tires. Like, they make a huge difference. But for that class, like, everyone's going to have rock-hard DOT tires. <laughs> Rad. <laughs> and I, I'm really excited about it. Like, Butcher had a class similar to that at his tracker car- cross. And one of the most entertaining things of the day was a guy like forward controls on a sportster just like backing it into the corner and just thing um yeah and i I raced to the ivy league event that was street and then i was so bummed to find out that there was a bunch of like dirt bikes and stuff and people with like knobbies in that class yeah i was going the the problem with the dot with the runway you run class is they don't regulate it close enough and also, you guys are getting new opportunities. You mentioned a little earlier, and I didn't want to uh, go into it too too far yet. I want to let you go into it. But um, okay. this little thing you mentioned called the X Games or something that people might have heard of. Yeah, I was getting ready to say we should probably talk about that. Um, <laughs> I'm home now. Like, I'm done with my commute. So the X Games are, I mean, it's the X Games. So if you don't know what that is, you're probably living under a rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and for someone my age, I'm in my early 30s, and um, the X Games, man, like, I remember when that thing started. When did it start? Late 90s, early 2000s? Oh, yeah, like late 90s, yeah. And it was huge. I mean, that's when Tony Hawk was killing it. Dave Miro was just, you know, dominating. And it was, for someone like myself at that age anyway, X Games was the pinnacle. Like, the Olympics were a joke. You know, it's... The X Games were what you wanted to do. Like, I rode BMX. It wasn't good, but I rode. Um, You know, it was extreme sports. And it was like when when freestyle motocross was taking off. Right. I felt like all these kind of freestyle sports were happening and blowing up at the same time. And X Games was a great, great, amazing outlet for that. So what's happened in the last few years with Harley being the biggest sponsor, they said, hey, man, we want to put flat track on the bill. Um, You know, we want to present it as an extreme sport. Um, I I can't disagree with them, you know. Um, I'm torn between what all racing should be at X Games. I would love it if more was there. 
But um, Matt and last year, the whole Harlan thing we game. So unfortunately, there were no medals for me because I won it and I didn't get a medal. Um, but we, you you won X Games last year and didn't get the medal. Yeah, it was just an exhibition. It was only like the little Harley teams, and it was for them to like film and interview. And then a couple months later, or a month later, they released the Harley Hooligan teams. Um, and they were like, so they did their little like video for us all to release and talk about it, and made us kind of like official Harley sponsored <laughs> riders. You're like, dude, can you can you give me the medal now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, could you guys can you guys make something in spray painted gold that says one? Like it doesn't need to be real. Yeah. You you know what's funny too is that like you mentioned the X Games is where they started taking stuff that kids were doing on the street. You know, skateboarding had been around since the 50s as like Johnny barefoot going down on his plank, you know, and the surfer surfer sidewalk surfer is I guess what I'm trying to say. And all of a sudden people are like into the 80s, you know, all of a sudden the Bones Brigade comes out and people are turning into like hooligans on skateboards. They're not these nice sidewalk surfers. Now they're like extreme sports and people started to pick up on that. The same with BMX. It's been around forever. People did, you know, not pump tracks, but BMX tracks. And then all of a sudden these kids are going out to their school on the weekend and jumping down the stairs at the quad, blah, blah, blah. So this evolution into hooligan uh, racing actually makes sense to me because once those sports kind of got mainstream, they were extreme and now they're mainstream. Right. Now you need the next uh you know, extreme thing, which is, you know, what's more extreme than throwing a, a perfectly good body and bike around uh, at 400 pounds or so, you know, as close as you can to, you know, a bunch of other dudes on the same sort of thing and trying to come out, you know, in first and not wreck, you know, that's, it, it really does make sense for the evolution of it. And it's, I'm glad that you guys are doing it. I know it's not the first one for flat track, but is is it kind of the first one for hooligan racing? Is this year basically going to be the first for that? I think they invited, they've invited a bunch of people. Um, they, I think 40 people, maybe more. I What I read was we're going to do four heats of 10 people in each heat to start off. So I'd say at least 40 people. Um and a lot of people we haven't really raced with much that are from kind of the Midwest. So it'll be interesting. There's going to be a lot of people. Um, but as far as I know, it's official this year. I don't think we're going to be on TV, um, but it's the first official year. And I, I kind of agree with you, too. Like, And not nothing against the pros again, but in a way, like we almost deserve to be there more than the pros. Because you're right. Like You have this like this typical flat track. Like You had typical BMX or like typical skateboarding. And then we're the ones like going out, like making a stink and making the neighbors mad and stuff like that. Right. That's what made X Games, which was like extreme games. That's what made them extreme is that, uh, I mean, moto, moto racing has been around ever since they slapped a motor in something and then made a duplicate. So it, there's nothing real extreme about flat track except for that it's getting like a new resurgence. But yeah. the extreme part for sure is the fact that you guys are doing it on, I, I'm going to say purpose built, but <laughs> purposely built from like, you know, stock stuff, you know, that's a, a, a different story. So yeah, you, that's the real extreme thing to me, you know, flat track, yeah. 
has been around for, you know, since 1901, right? But um, not hooligans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely like that element to it. So it'll be interesting to see how it grows from here. Um, But I'm I'm excited for it, man. Like it, if you would have asked me two or three years ago, I would have told you hooligan, like what it's turned into would have been dead by now. And it's still growing and getting bigger all the time. So, and I think X Games is kind of the pinnacle, like an official X Games Facebook Live or televised race is like, it's the pinnacle right now for us. And it's just showing how big of a, of a wave that we're on right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, we're going to Minneapolis. I fly out tomorrow after work. We got practice on Wednesday. We're racing on Thursday. Um, on Thursday, we are racing. We will be on Harley Davidson's Facebook Live page at 6:30 central which if i'm correct is 4:30 here um they're also like they've reached out they've done a good job uh, i work at vance and hines they reached out to vance and hines they reach out to me individually and they've like connected to our facebook pages so it'll definitely be on my personal one i think it'll be on vance and hines facebook page um i'm not sure if speed merchant has one but i know like they've reached out to individuals and companies that have facebook and they're basically taking over everyone's Facebook live feed or like connecting to it. And so like if someone's a friend of mine or a, you know, family member or whatever that sees my personal Facebook, it'll pop up on there and they can watch it from mine. They don't even have to go look for it on Harley's page. That's awesome. And I was going to, I was going to ask you if that's the one thing about the hooligan class is that it's unfortunate that there's, there's not enough, um, you know, TV coverage, but you don't need, just like with podcasts, you don't need radio with, you know, with everything now, you don't really need TV to get covered. And the, the coverage of the mama tried was, I thought pretty good actually. And I believe that was from Harley's, uh, Facebook page and they had, uh, graphics with names and they had different camera. I mean, it looked really professional. It was really well done. So I'm excited to hear they're going to be doing that again. Um, yeah, that's awesome. If I had to guess, too, um, I don't know what channel it's going to be on for the pro race, but it's probably the same cameras. It's probably the same graphics, the same commentators doing us as doing the pros. So, you know, it's going to be the same quality broadcast. It just won't be on TV. It'll be on Facebook Live. Right. So, yeah, I mean, man, to say that I'm excited about going to X Games again is is an understatement. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about a childhood dream. So it's it's kind of cool um, to want to have the opportunity, no matter how old I am. But um, you know, to be like a part of this whole hooligan thing, and to be a part of the reason that it's going to a place like X Games is mind blowing right now. But we are uh, they're building probably pretty built actually a three eighths mile track in a parking lot at Mall of America. And that is going to be our racetrack. So I don't know how good or how bad. I don't know how close to three eighths, um, you know, we're, but a good fast three eighths mile track is even on our bikes, a hundred mile an hour track. Yeah. So yeah. Is it, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, we will be moving pretty quickly. Um, you know, and when you watch the pros, we might look kind of slow compared to them, but I'm sure they, and they've only got, you know, I've ridden with them on big tracks before and they've only got, I think at Coda last year, um, 
my lap time was a second a lap off of it was within a second from Shayna Texter's lap time. No kidding. Twin. Right. So and in in my defense, uh, I had a bad main, and what I didn't do, I didn't go watch the pros heat races like Jared Meese and Baker and like the top pros. And then in the main, their line was totally different than what I ran. And I was running Shana Texter's line. And um, not to discredit her, she's definitely a very, very talented rider. But she was at the back of the pack, you know, the back of the pro field. <laughs> right. If, how that compares. But um, we were running the same line, and I was within that second. I was like, man, if I would have paid attention to Jared and Brad's line and ran that, um, you know, I might have been able to pick up some more time. But to be... 30 or 40 horsepower less way less on suspension weigh you know 100 pounds more not only that with me and shana texter 100 pounds more as a person right yeah she's like a, i think she's probably 98 pounds wet <laughs> yeah yeah so i was pretty pumped in that and i know you know i know a second per lap is, a, is actually a pretty big gap when it comes to racing but when i thought of all the factors into that i, I was like man I, i'm pretty stoked for that like that's pretty good gap yeah so, I mean, that's like, t- I mean, that's really like taking your, you know, Ford Mustang out to like, I don't know, like a, a Le Mans course or something like that and not being too far off like the GT class. You know what I mean? Like that's right? not too shabby actually. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, we'll see how the, the thing at X Games goes, but it, uh, it's just a amazing, amazing experience for a mid thirties dude that took his street bike out flat tracking to be able to go do and say he was a part of and, uh, just, you know, compete and compete with, I mean, honestly to compete with the same dudes that were around three years ago when we started this. So, um, it's, it's pretty rad. That is rad. It's like the story, the true life story of the bad news bears. (laughs) If the bad news bears is a motorcycle club. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I know too that you probably didn't get there a hundred percent alone. Is are there any sponsors or anybody that you want to plug? Um, shout out to? Um, definitely for X Games. I mean, we got to thank Harley. Um, Harley for being such a large company to get behind all the hooligans and be like, man, what you guys are doing is rad. We appreciate it. We want to support it. Um, that's that's huge. You know, that's absolutely amazing. Um, brawny over at speed merchant um i got hooked up with him i've known him for a while uh he worked for the guy that used to work on my bike like i do a lot of work on my harley myself but i uh i would go to a guy for some things and brawny was like the main guy that worked for him and that guy like moved to hawaii because he wanted an awesome life and um (laughs) yeah he like up and moved and brawny had kind of started speed merchant with a couple buddies and i was racing speedway so i was like hey dude i'm gonna put your logo on my race bib is that cool and he's like yeah and then the ironic part was another guy that worked for him that i didn't even know yet um saw a picture of me with his logo on my race gear and he's like calling all these people in the harley world like who is this dude and finally chopper dave um goes oh dude that's wiggins he's like he's cool he's totally cool like so i got permission from one third of speed merchant to run their logo and it was just like hey dude i just want to look professional and you're cool and you help me out so why not um, so yeah, the other guy that saw it was like super pumped that they had like a speedway rider. Yeah, <laughs> and then right. as the hooligan stuff started to take off, like obviously speed merchant makes Harley parts. So it was like a natural fit. Um, 
But I got to give it to Brownie, man. The last month, he's seen me way more than he wants to. I guarantee. We were getting, uh, we were both trying to get seven fifties ready for Born Free. Um, you know, the sporty needs work once in a while too. Um, so I go down. He's he's late at work a couple nights a week. So I drive down after work and try to get as much done as I can in a couple hours, and then come home. Um, so definitely Speed Merchant, Brownie, they've been super supportive of the whole hooligan thing and, you know, not even just a monetary level, but a, a personal level, like helping out with stuff that you you can't buy. Like, I can't afford to go have someone rebuild a motor or just give me a shop, you know, or, or do stupid little things, but I need a shop or I need an extra set of hands or, you know, like I blew a head gasket. Like I haven't rebuilt a motor. So someone that knows what they're doing, like I, I've done it now a couple of times, but someone that knows what they're doing, that's been great. And Speed Merchants have been there for that. And I don't know whether it was planned or not, but they have now become like a big part of the hooligan racing scene. Like their name is is big and synonymous with hooligan racing. So right. the, those guys, um, for personally and for Team Speed Merchant, I got to give it up to Icon and Icon 1000. Um, those guys being a big helmet jacket brand, um, big stunt brand too. Like they, they la two years ago now. Yeah. Two years ago now they were like, they were kind of wanting to support us a little bit, but no one really knew what to do. And then uh, we were up at dirt quake. So we went and talked to a couple of them and I had like been communicating with one of the guys and I wore one of their helmets and we did some photos before the race. And one of them like just looked bitching. I was like in a t-shirt cause I wasn't racing and I had my Dickies and my regular boots on and I had an icon helmet on and um it's just like the dirt was flying and it was super cool and uh they were pumped not just for the one photo they were kind of into it already anyway but that kind of helped they ended up giving the whole team gear that year and basically anytime we need any gear we call them up and they send us a helmet or a jacket or a pair of pants or whatever um this year they were better they actually gave me like a budget to work with oh that's rad yeah but icon i mean and to me like I was in sport bikes and stunning when Icon started in the early 2000s. So it's like I ride for Icon now, but <laughs> I remember when they started. It's like such a cool feeling to like this company that I always thought did cool shit. Um, and they always had like a style to what they were doing that no one else had. And it's like now they want me to ride their stuff. Like they want me in it and they're super proud of it. And um, I love that. So. Those guys, uh, Lindell Brakes, if you guys got any, especially Harley listeners, uh, Paul from Lindell Brakes. Man, we were, before the hooligan racing stuff even started, he saw my bike as a street tracker with literal, like, with dirt track tires, but I had a headlight plates. And I was working for him part-time anyway, like, helping design some stuff. And uh, Lindell's like, dude, this is cool. He's like, I want to put my brake rotor on your bike. (laughs) And I kind of laughed and I told Paul the story. I said, you know, when I first saw your aluminum composite rotors, I thought like, I want to get some of those, but I don't know how. And I'm like, I've always been cheap. And uh, (laughs) so I was never going to spend the money on them. And uh, now he like gives them to me. So it's pretty rad. Paul's been a good, he's just been supportive of not only me, not only team speed merchant, but suicide machine, rusty butcher. Like so many guys have run Lindell stuff and, one he wants it he wants it out there getting beat up but he wants to be part of the racing and since he doesn't race himself to him it's like he is racing like his his product is out there racing and he's just supportive and uh i gotta give it to him dude he's he 
before it was anything, he was in it because he didn't care that it was cool. He didn't care that it was cool to everyone. It was cool to him and he wanted in it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's like the best, uh, passion is there's no replacement for passion, you know, uh, that's rad. It definitely like makes a big, a big difference. Um, you know, we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of good support from a lot of different people. Marco mock modified in Brooklyn, like did some motor work for me. Um, speed cell batteries has been good to myself and speed merchant. Like, you know, we run the best batteries in the business. Like this guy, dude, he does batteries for like world Superbike, MotoGP. He does suspension telemetry also. So he does that on those bikes, on Jared Mises' bike. And then he helps out Team Speed Merchant fucking hooligan idiots. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I mean, literally, like when I was at Texas racing last year with MotoGP, he was going to come out and see me and like hang out. And he's like, dude, I'm at the track. And he's working on MotoGP bikes. And he wants to come out and have a beer with me and talk about hooligan stuff. Um, so speed cell has been super good to team speed merchant for sure. Um, who else should I really plug? Vanson Hines lately has been good to me as an individual. Um, letting, always been, letting you work there at all and all. <laughs> he, well, I mean, letting me more so letting me not work there when I have a, like, like this week, I literally went in today and asked for Wednesday off. I had a Thursday and Friday off and we weren't, we were going to miss practice. I have a baby on the way and, um, Oh, congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully she comes really good timing wise, but we'll see. (laughs) Um, but, uh, so yeah, we were going to miss Jason fast J and I, who got third at at the stampede and I were going to miss practice at X games. And, you know, we're both pretty good. We're both pretty solid. And him and I are comfortable with one another. Like if him and I are out front and we can run too wide, we can build a wall that guys can't get around and I, we can run next to one another and elbow to elbow. And I trust him and he probably trusts me more than I trust him actually. So we're, um, <laughs> uh, but he was like, man, he's like, I don't want to just go out and race. He's like, I want to, I want to support, I want to represent the best I can. He's like, I kind of want to go practice. And I'm like, you know what, the way it's not like we're getting a heat race and then having a break. I think we're doing four heat races and you're lining right back up for semis and you're doing that. And then you're lining right back up for the main. Um, so there might be a couple of minutes in between each one. Like I'm going to want to drink a water or something. Like, I'm right. Yeah. Shape. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, we decided we'd try to go to practice. So I, I bought plane tickets for a day earlier and I went into work today and I was like, Hey, I need Wednesday off. And my boss was like, okay, cool. Like sweet. So fans and Heinz has been good. And last week I was like, Hey, my bike's going to dirt quake. My header got all beat up with rocks and dirt and whatever. And it was black. And, uh, so we pulled it off this week. We welded some stuff to it. We made a new mount bracket for it and I, we repainted it. So it looks all pretty and clean. Um, and I, I told him like, part of it is I want your exhaust to look clean, but it also makes my bike look better, but they were supportive, you know, myself and one of the engineers spent some time on it. And, uh, that was super cool for them to donate some hours basically for me. Um, so I got to give it to them. They've been kind of slow jumping on, but I, they're seeing it, they're in it. And, um, it's cool. I mean, this is the same, it's not the same Vance and Hines, but it's the same Vance and Hines that runs the Harley Davidson factory team. So they're in flat track, right? You know, there's no denying that. Um, I say they're not the same because that, that team's ran out of our Indianapolis, um, shop, but, um, they've been super good. And then just a lot of like, a lot of little local stuff too. Um, 
broken home boots and josh actually races with us he's an avid racer he loves it he was at paris last weekend i think got second um he's not going to x games but he's going to dirtquake the guy makes like work boots in long beach at a little small shop and um they are priced about the same as made in usa red wings um but if anyone out there in listening land is a blue collar worker like i am dude they're the best boots you'll ever buy and he can't say that, I don't think, but I'm not paid to say whatever, so I can say whatever I want. They're the best <laughs> boots you'll ever buy. <laughs> yeah, and he's just, he's a motorcycle guy that loves motorcycles, and he loves boots. And uh, he loves, he loves getting, like, boots in for, like, a second and third resole. <laughs> and just seeing how people, like, like, he, like his idea of a well-loved boot is something that you wear every day. And um, so if you wear it out and it's beat up and it's scratched up and the soles wore out, like, that means you loved it. So that's what he wants to see. Um, trying to think who else I should plug. Uh, that's probably about, you know, uh, Saddleman. Saddleman Seats has been super good to all the hooligans. Um, I, there's probably not a single one of us on like one of the four main teams that can't walk into Saddleman and get a new seat for their bike made in a, a few days. Um, and they're just like, Saddleman's been around flat track for years, man, years. I mean, the rookie of the year awards from Saddleman, um, almost all the pros out there run Saddleman seats. So to have them let us drop our bikes off and get seats made is amazing. Um, but <clears throat> you know, they're, they think that we're paying them back well with our coverage. We're mentioning that our seats are Saddleman and they're happy. So it's super cool. Um, but yeah, I think, but honestly, uh, money wise, Harley's been good. I think, uh, I, I got to give it even, a, I already did, but again, to Brownie from speed merchant, man, I mean, he, not just financial, not just as speed merchant, but as an individual, as someone that, puts up with my ideas whether they're good or bad someone <laughs> someone that puts up like i'm the type like okay what races are we doing okay like we, x games is figured out earthquakes figured out where are we going next what are we doing next like i want to know what i'm doing after that i'm a horrible planner but i want to know what events next and uh so brownie like he puts up with me um i gotta give him that <laughs> i'm sure i'm not the easiest to always put up with but he's uh he's usually pretty patient with me and um if he's not, I deal with it, and we get along well. So, uh, but the whole hooligan thing, man. The whole, honestly, to X Games, I gotta give it up to everyone involved. Like, to me, hooligan stuff's about their racers are the ones. Like, we're the ones pushing to what's the next thing. Like, where can we go next? So, butcher, suicide machine, you know, noise cycles. Even some of the midwestern guys. Um, that that passion that everyone all over the country that's doing this is throwing in is that's what's getting us to X games. Like people are passionate, people are seeing it, people are excited about it. And that's why we're going places. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. That's awesome. All right. Hey, this is our guest, by the way, if you're just tuning in, rewinded about an hour and a half. Uh, this is, uh, this is Chris Wiggins from, he's a Harley hooligan racer. He's got a race coming up at Santa Maria Speedway in September on the 23rd. And, uh, yeah, he's, he was our guest on episode 74. He was also yelled at a couple times by Scott in uh, episode 40 or 41. <laughs> but yeah, Chris, hey, it's been awesome talking to you. Thank you so much for spending some time for us. 
good luck at X Games. That's exciting. I'm ex- I'm excited for you, and we'll we'll be in touch. There'll, there's a plenty more stuff coming up this year, and I uh, can't wait to keep talking to you more about hooligan flat track racing. And I'll uh, so much for a short interview, and I'll try to uh, <laughs> I'll try to keep you updated as much as I can with uh, X Games coming up and Dirt Quake. Um, whether it's just via my Instagram or whatever. Um, but you know, I'll try to keep creative writing in the loop and I love, I love the coverage for the hooligan racers and you know, anything I can do to promote everyone and the sport in general, I'll do. So yeah, man. I appreciate it. Perfect. And you can catch him all, of course on Instagram. Uh, like he said, Harley Davidson will have a, a live feed of the X Games, and I may try to bump this out uh, in time to inform people. And if not, um, I'll definitely do it on social media. You can catch him at Wig09. That's the word zero spelled out, and uh, that's Instagram handle. And anywhere else we can catch you, like, are you on Facebook or is it just mostly Instagram? Mostly Instagram. Um my facebook i need to like delete i want to make more personal <laughs> yeah 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 mostly instagram um my grammar is horrible so i struggle with instagram let alone twitter uh, <laughs> the other one the other one i would say for people to check out if uh i mean don't get me wrong check me out as much as possible I, I love that but uh, uh if you want to check out hooligan racing in general especially based around southern california check out socal underscore hooligans on instagram um that is me but that is it's supposed to be this is the race that's coming up this is the bikes that are out there like this is the people that are in it um type stuff it's not about me so if you if you want to get into hooligan racing or you want to go see an event or you um i guess that's about it you either want to get in or go see it so then check that out and that'll give you some info uh you know you can always slide into the dms i'll help you out however i can um i can't tell you how many times i've told people tires and air pressure and recommendations for what motor stuff or whatever like it's i I do i try to make time for that um as much as i can i'm not so popular that i don't have time and uh yeah i try to support so if if they want to look at look at that and see what's going on i would appreciate it yeah sounds good get that harley out of the garage and get it on the track folks uh thank you chris for hanging out with us we will chat with you later everybody that is our show for this week it has been a long day in the editing bay every time chris wiggins comes on you know there's going to be a lot of good chat uh check him out like i said instagram wig the word zero the number nine uh also as he said socal underscore hooligans check out harley davidson's facebook live page uh today or their facebook page and then check out the live event um like he said they're taking over everybody's feed so just check somebody out speed merchant rusty butcher suicide machine co uh broken home boots noise cycles wig 09 check all of them out and uh see if you can catch it today uh, remember the hooligan class is only available on the facebook live it won't be on the espns uh so yeah for what it's worth x games baby hope y'all have a good weekend take it easy
nobodies, but, um, you know, we're back again. So maybe we're not a bunch of nobodies.